I want to thank my sponsor, Viva. Viva, thank you so much for making this show possible. Viva is here to change the game. They have electronic regulatory documents for sites for free with no commitment, no contract. I just signed up my site, Yuma Clinical Trials. No contract needed, nothing signed. They they just approve your email address and that's it. You're up and running with an electronic regulatory system, which is a great way if you haven't gotten into electronic anything yet. You need to consider it. It's it's free. Over 450 sponsors are using Viva for their backend stuff. Electronic signatures here, electronic uh, delegation of authorities log, all for free. Viva is going to keep giving sites free stuff because they're very site-centric. They they know that if they help empower the sites, even more sponsors are going to use their paid products on their end. They are the sponsors after all, so they pay for things. And they understand that making sites take control of their electronic systems is a huge first step. It's a huge commitment for sites, even for something that's free. And they're here to make it easy, and they're playing the long game. And anyways, go check it out underneath the video or the show notes below. Viva Site Vault. Thank you, Viva. Hey, Guru Nation. Thank you so much for stopping by, listening, watching, however you're consuming this content. Got a very special guest. You know, there's, I don't know if you guys realize, but clinical research also is pretty big in Europe. And I know I have a very American centric audience but europe you guys are just as busy their <laughs> cras are just as busy dealing with the same issues and here we have a very special guest maria milas uh she's got a background as a cra she's super passionate about connecting cras i actually saw her instagram this morning cra connect and you know i had a another podcast cancel and i was like what am i gonna do today talk by myself <laughs> or try to find someone and it was like almost like divinity like serendipity do you i saw Yay. your thing <laughs> i saw your thing and that's how it worked and yeah you're on so so happy about that uh maria and first of all let's start backwards normally i start with like tell me how you got started in your career but as a senior cra and you've also done other roles like a senior level leadership roles why create CRA Connect? What What's your goal with this? Oh, that's a great question. Well, thank you for having me, Dan. And it's a pleasure to, to speak to you and to, yeah, just get the community of clinical research in Europe just bigger and make even connections to the U.S. So that, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, to be fair, this community, so this project started around two years ago. So while I was still a CRA, um, I kind of saw myself that I was this lone wolf who just went on site and did all these monitoring visits and all this traveling. And I did not have, let's say, a community of CRAs because even if I had other CRAs in the companies that I was working for, the CROs that I was working for, because we were all traveling, because we were all you know, doing our things, when we did get together at the office, we did not have time to connect. We did not have time to chat, to say, you know, this happened to me yesterday at this site. It was so hard. I didn't know what to do. I called my manager. Those things, you, you didn't have to, who to tell them. So I started this project two years ago. It was called Chronic Dotes. 
it was it, it meant to mean theory anecdotes because there were um, monthly webinars. Anecdotes. Anecdotes. It was called anecdotes. What do you think <laughs> about it? The name. <laughs> I mean, in in well, it used to be American slang. Chronic met marijuana that you're sm chronically smoking marijuana, but that that's a good. Uh, <laughs> it's nice. Let's it's nice, see that in nice Europe. Nickname. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> good thing I changed it then. <laughs> a good thing. Good thing. So yeah, we started with that doing monthly webinars where we had people invited in in the from the industry. We had study coordinators. We had. Um, study leads, we had other CRAs, we had CTAs, we had study like all types of roles, just because we wanted to give more, let's say, visibility into the roles of clinical research to have people ask questions, ask their daily questions and just tell their anecdotes somehow. Now, because of the, as you know, the high quantity of traveling that we're doing at, at, at CRAs and because of the even burden, let's say, we, we, we didn't have like a personal life even because you would just be traveling constantly. And if not, you're doing monitoring reports. So because of that, I burnout. honestly do not have time. Oh yes, burnout, complete burnout. I do not have time to go on with this project that was, let's say my hobby, my passion, my second um, project. So unfortunately, after doing that for a year or so, I had to stop, focus on work, focus on traveling, on those monitoring activities. And then, as you said, I changed the industry. I went into tech, um, still very in a role that's very related to, to clinical research and CRAs and still with this passion. But now that I do have more time and th that the passion is still there and I see that the burden on CRAs is still there, many things have changed, especially with, let's say, the pandemic that we've had in the couple of years, um, but still, the turnover rate for CRAs is still so high. We still have this burden, this stress, this high traveling, this um, lack of community for CRAs. So that's how I said yeah. we need to take this back. You need to, we need to reconnect people. You know, you're right because, I mean, I've only I was only um, a CRA. I had a period of two years where I was a part time CRA. Uh, actually more than two years, four years, part, very mm -hmm. part-time CRA. But I noticed as a site owner, because I'm, I've am i been a coordinator slash site owner since 2006, and I've noticed whenever there was a sense of community that it was lacking, because whenever we had two monitors at the site from separate companies and they would run into each other, they didn't know each other, but they would talk like, and I noticed that at that time, of course, I didn't do anything about it, but that's for somebody like you to come around and see that that's like that need to be connected. Yeah. These two strangers don't know each other, but they share the same job, different companies didn't just on accident that they're there the same day, but there's yes. a bond, like an instant bond. Like I know your struggle, you know, you know, mine respect. Absolutely. Well, do you know what's interesting? And I've always thought about it is when you are a CRA, whether you're working at a sponsor or at a CRO or even sometimes at a site, right? Like it's it's also common nowadays that sites have their own CRAs, internal CRAs. But there's no connection as well in in between, let's say, these 
industries, industries, when I mean industries, I mean the companies that you're working for. A CRA from a sponsor usually never speaks to a CRA from a CRO or never speaks to a CRA to a site. Now, in the end, the core activities, the core challenges and what you do on your daily basis is the same thing. But you never get together with these other colleague CRAs to just share those difficulties. Like when you, as you, as you mentioned, you, you were on site and you were seeing these, these CRAs actually being able to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. It's because you see those big binders, the, 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 that ICF, and you know that you're going to be stuck in there for the next six hours with your other peers. CRA who's probably <laughs> doing the same thing. Different study, but the same thing. I remember going when I was a traveling contract CRA. I remember going to a big university, a huge university, and there's a waiting room for CRAs before the coordinator comes to get you. All the CRAs stay in this lobby. <laughs> and I was there. I was frustrated because my coordinator didn't even know I'm there. And I'm just waiting in the lobby like 20 minutes on my phone. And this other CRA comes to me. He's like, hey, Dan, I watch your videos. Um, and then we started talking. And he said, you know what? Are you waiting for your coordinator? Well, get used to that because I come here for two years and this is all they do is make you wait. So you do have like that bond with with your, I mean, they're not your colleagues theoretically, but like they actually are. They're doing the same job as you. Absolutely. And and I don't know if it happened to you, but you you start to go to the same sites, even though you are, let's say I was a manager in space. So I there's a lot of sites in Spain, but for your study, you kind of, go to the same ones and you kind of even coincide with the other series on their studies, but you, you start recognizing faces mm. and it does feel like you create this bond of you're not from the same company, not from the same study. Maybe you don't know their name yet, but you've seen this face and you see it every time you go to this site. So you relate to this person as yeah. kind of a colleague who you have at that site. Yeah. On Facebook, there's a good group, uh, clinical research memes, I think. It's huge, <laughs> and it's just CRAs sharing stories and some coordinators as well. Um, it's I, I saw early on because that's that page has been around for a long time. Uh, the power of bonding, but yes, uh, is CRA Connect meant to be for European CRAs at least for now? <clears throat> so that's a great question. I would say that um, for no, I mean the same way as I was saying that there is a lot to relate in between CRAs from a sponsor, from CRO, from sites. I think it's the same thing with um, CRAs from other regions and from other countries as well, and the US as well, and Asia as well. I mean, in the end, we we have different regulations. We might have, you know, in the US, you have IRB. We don't have IRB in in Europe. We have local um, um, ethics committees. So it might work a little bit different from a regulatory standpoint. But in the end, on a daily basis, we still all go to monitor data, right? We still go to check the ISF. We still go to check the pharmacy data. We still go to report protocol deviations. We still ha- find these serious breaches. What do I do now? So I would say, no, it's it's meant to be global to connect as many diverse CRAs as we can and learn from. You never know when a CRA from the US is going to end up in a country in, in, in Europe or or vice versa, right? So the mo- or maybe you are CRA right now, but you're going to be a study manager, a global study manager, and having this access to anecdotes or to information or to daily basis things from your peers. I mean, why not? 
the more we can reach, the bigger the networking, better. Uh, yeah, well, definitely. Why not? So senior CRA, you've mm -hmm. been a senior CRA for a, like what uh, it looks like five years or more yeah. from your LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, definitely not easy. And then you've, you also transitioned to, it looks like more of a, like a decentralized clinical trial type of company or something involving tech. Um, yeah. Like a vendor, let's say. Yeah. A vendor. So mm -hmm. you're, you're basically becoming more of a generalist because I also think a lot of CRAs, the issues they run into is, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's very easy to just be a CRA for the rest mm. of your life and not even know other aspects of research well like absolutely tech vendor for example or like i mean you see the pain points because you're a monitor but when you mm. are too focused on finishing your report you're not looking at creating solutions i mean that's not your yeah. job to, <laughs> to create solutions for the industry so you're in a way you're blinded by the your workload um and you're not because you've explored other aspects of research. And I actually think that's rare. And I'm wondering why, what <laughs> drew you to do that? That's, that's, that's a very interesting question. If I think the answer is going to take us back to how we started this call, which is serendipity. In a way that, as you're saying, when I was a CRA, um, the last month, actually, that I was still a CRA, um, my manager said, well, Maria, this is your performance review. Next thing for you is going to be study manager or um, operations lead or what, what do you want to do next? So at that point, I thought, wait a second, how many CRAs are we in this company? How many study manager roles are open? How many of us are tired of being CRAs and we want to look, not, not tired of being CRAs, but tired of maybe traveling or we've done these How already. How many for are years. tired of traveling? 100%? Yes, yes. <laughs> but then at some point, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So at, at some point you think, what options do I have now? So then I was, let's say, lucky at that moment because I was having that opportunity inside my, my, my company to move into the study manager role but at that point it's when this vendor that I moved to afterwards contacted me so I will be very honest and they contacted me for three times on LinkedIn three messages with two or three weeks in between them but because I saw that message and the role they were offering me and I thought what does that have to do with me how that how does that have any relation with the CRA role I at first I didn't even respond until I said, oh, they're coming back more than once. There, there must be something <laughs> in, my, in, in my role or in my background that, that should be relevant to them. In right? America, so... we say they're thirsty. <laughs> exactly. That, well, that's why they were. And I'm thankful and grateful <laughs> for that. <laughs> but yeah, that's how um, I learned that there's other opportunities outside of the CRA path, which is CDA, CRA, study manager, project manager, and then we'll figure it out. So that's how I learned. And I said, well, you know, what am I passionate about? What do I see? I've always seen as a CRA the struggles that we had, which were um, technologies that we were using were antique, obsolete, not easy to use. They were, the, the trainings were so, it, it was the, one of the biggest burdens that we had as CRAs as well. So I thought, look, 
the future has to be has to look a little bit different for maybe not me as a CRA because I'm not a CRA anymore, but for my colleagues CRAs in the future. I hope technology we can alleviate, we can help with technology to alleviate the burdens on the CRA vault. So that's how I said we'll try to apply what you've learned and at, at the sites as a CRA, try to apply that to bringing more technology or bringing newer or technology that makes sense for CRAs. Also, in, in our case, the, the, the vendor I went into, it's for sites, but CRAs is one of the main ones, the main roles that we're trying to design this up to. So how can we help them? How can we make their lives easier? How can we um, alleviate the burden? I always say that. How can we, with that in mind, how can we design something that alleviates the burden? Well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a theme in this industry. Um, mm. There's a lot that, there's a lot of topics that this can lead us into because, okay, <laughs> we can automate, we can make things easier for sites and CRAs, but then how does that automation change the roles of those people? Um like on the optimistic side, it's going to change the role. On the pessimistic side, it's going to replace the role. There's two schools of thought on this, and probably a, there's a spectrum in between of where reality is. Mm -hmm. What do you think as far as the future of the CRA job is concerned as tools become more automated for monitoring, let's mm -hmm. say SDV? Yeah, um, it's definitely a concern, and I understand the concern. From my point of view, I think and I hope, I might be an optimistic, but I hope that the tools that we are designing and that are coming up, um, they're going to just help the CRAs to perform their role. I think there's always going to, like the data we generate in clinical research is so sensitive that even though we might have tools that help us monitor that data, at some point, you'll also need to still rely on a human being, especially for those, you know, ethic um, um, or, or moral aspects that maybe a tool will be difficult, more difficult to, to, to catch. So I think there will always be a need of somebody, of a human, let's say I, or, or of a human being checking that data but maybe instead of doing so much traveling, we do more on-site like, or, or more in-house monitoring. Or instead of checking the ISF every two visits, we can do that once a year because we have tools that help us to, to, to monitor how it's going. I think it's going to just, at least at the beginning, just change or help or alleviate the role of the CRA. And hopefully the clinical research industry, it's changing towards just yeah, being being easier or making things um, j just easier for all of us. I think there's things that can be, and I think mm. there's things that no matter what technology. So I'm looking at a LinkedIn message I got from someone. Yeah, they're not naive, but they're they're working at. Well, I don't know if they're naive or not. I only had one conversation, but they they're working at a tech company as well, and I can tell mm -hmm. they don't have much site experience. So they're asking me, hey what tools can we make to automate the study startup process at the site level? Yeah. And I said, look, this is where the theoretical meets the practical. 
there is no tool, right? Because we, my site, we switched to e-reg. We have e-source. We have all those kind of things, electronic regulatory, electronic source, uh, automatically goes into the trial master file, digital signatures. We have everything. Most sites don't mm -hmm. have any of this. They have like paper. Okay. We're considered advanced. It's still not automated. You know why? Ultimately, PI has to sign everything, whether it's digital yeah. or in person. And guess what? My PI, all of them, all three, are very busy. They're seeing patients 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, yeah. They're not, there's nothing automated about them. My One of my PIs doesn't even check his email during the day. He's like, not <laughs> checking my email when I see patients. So what kind of tools can you automate? It doesn't work, you know, and there there's a fine line between creating elegant tools and having this idea. And there's another thing about the reality of the work we do boils down to very busy people who the Absolutely. last thing they need is another login. Last thing you need is another login. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember myself, and, and I had this conversation um, not long ago with another CRA. And we were saying, you know, it, at the beginning, we are told or we are trained to go on an SIV, on a site initiation visit. And this is how it's supposed to look. You have everything together in a room. You have your four hours, hopefully, ideally, of everybody in the room where you can go through the protocol, the ICF, the investigator, but not the, the PI training, for the vendors. four hours. You know, in Europe, they don't go four hours, do they? Exactly. There it is. So <laughs> you are, that's what you're told. Now, when you get there, you are told, Maria, you have in, um, you have two hours in total, <laughs> the room. Now in these two hours, everybody who's going to participate in this study will just pop in. They will just pop in for five <laughs> minutes. They will go. Then the study coordinator will go. The PI might come around 1 p.m. So be ready for him. Might. So, might. That's how that, and that's how an SIV looks like for, for in reality, right? So how can you, prepare, how can you automate that? How can you, how, what, what tool does, does that help? There's no tools. I remember getting my one of, well, we have three PIs. Most of them are newer at my new site here in Arizona. And, I remember the first SIV letter I got and my PI was CC'd on it. And he came to me, he's like, they're coming for SIV. I'm like, yeah, they come. That's good. And he said, four hours. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to, I'm like, no, 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 don't worry. They have to put that in their email. That's four hours for me. If for you it's five minutes, if they're lucky. And he said, oh, okay. Much better, <laughs> much better. So that's the reality of things. Exactly. You know, one of the things that I, one of the missions or the objectives that I came back to this CRA Connect group on, on LinkedIn was because that's the reality. But as a CRA, when you join, when, when you start being a CRA, that's not what you're told. You're never going to be told, Maria, you're going to be to, to, to go on site. You are supposed to take this time with the PI or not, not even, let's not even speak about the SIV, which is the main thing. But if we speak like a, of a monitoring visit. Money, um, the, the monitoring plan says that, Maria, you're going to meet with the PI in person every two visits. Now, does that happen? Are, are you <laughs> supposed to? What, what if, you know, you, you finally get an appointment with your site? You finally were told that you can go on Wednesday. That's it. That's the only option you have for this month. 
Now the PI is not going to be there. What do you do? But you have backlog in your monitoring because there has been so much data to do. There is maybe a database log coming up and you're late and the sponsor is not approving extra monitoring visits. What do you do? Do you know that's such a common occurrence that mm. you just described? It's a, I've heard this being asked in job interview dozen times from students of yeah. mine. And most of them, because they've never set foot in a clinic, they don't know how to answer. Well, what do you do if you show up to your IMV and the receptionist says the coordinator is not there? Exactly. The wrong answer is to say, I'm going to go home. <laughs> That's a news <laughs> news flash, guys. That's the wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, the right answer? Figure it out. The right answer Ow. is do what you got to do. Get your hands on the source documents. Get your hands on exactly. the regulatory and do what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. But that's that's one of the things that, as you said, you don't know them until you get on site, until you get that experience or you get to speak to somebody who's been there. Yep. Now, if you don't have that luxury of being connected with somebody or of having been on site and having experience, the first time you go on site, you just freak out and you have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. So tell me then, Maria, about your your career because it seems like you became a senior CRA pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, how did that work? And I guess, what do you like most about CRA and what is your least favorite aspect? Well, great, great, great questions, Dan. Um, so when I joined, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, actually, I'm going to make to ask you a question. I'm not sure if in the U S it's the same thing as in Europe, but in, in, in Europe, there's this big importance being given to having, a, my apologies, my kitty wants to say hi. No, she oh, does not don't want worry, to say my hi. Dog, she will come back. <laughs> my dog will come say hi to you. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in Europe, there's a huge importance given to masters in clinical trials or have been, coming from a very scientific background. If mm -hmm. you do not, let's say it's, it's, it's hard or you are supposed to, maybe find some obstacles into being a CRA. Now, that was the, the let's say that was my example. In a way, I'm, I'm, my bachelor degree is in, I'm a linguist, so I studied translation and interpreting languages, specialized then in like medical uh, translation and biomedical translation. But then I always knew that I wanted to do something more hands-on with research, with, with, with helping drive or helping to get drugs on the market and help somehow even a little bit helping pat uh, patient lives, saving patients lives. So I said, what can I do? Now, I had like a couple of trainings, a, a, a master in, in translation and, and, and biomedical and pharmaceutical translation, one of these fancy names. And that the, the director of my master said, Maria, well, you are very interested into, into clinical research. Why don't you have a look at the opportunities out there starting as an assistant to CRA and then maybe that will help you just gather some experience and 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 be a CRA which is a role that you might be interested in so that's how I heard about the role of a CRA and before that I, I never even knew that that existed like Very the good advice. industry absolutely like I will I will even say I I owe all my career but since then to to the director of that first master <laughs> that's but, crazy I mean, they have those, pro see, that's like an example where that degree was helpful. It paid off. Indeed. Exactly. Uh, 
because of that. Like that alone was worth the price of the curriculum, really. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But in contrast, after that, let's say that I started as a clinical trial assistant and then I was helping, you know, the CRAs from the office to just documentation, basically quality checks, all that. And then I was told, well, Maria, you don't have this scientific background. What about if you want to be a CRA, just do this master in clinical trials? Mm -hmm. And I said, because sponsors, when they look at your CV and they accept you as a CRA on their trial, they would like to see you know, something more scientific. And I said, okay, um, we made this agreement with my manager that if I was doing this master in a year, I would become a CRA. And that's what happened. I did the master while I was in my role of clinical trial assistant. And I will be very honest, most of everything that I was told or I was taught, I already saw it within my experience as a clinical trial assistant. And right. it's, I've learned many things, but most of them were how to do the things by the book, how to do the proper things, the yeah. four-hour site initiation four visit. Four-hour SIV, yeah. <laughs> exactly, instead of the five minutes with your PI. Now, that's what made me think, oh, maybe the reality is not exactly what you are taught, right? So, um, yeah, that's how I became that's, a CRA. Uh, that's such a good concept. I think... I learned that from my dad. Both my parents are international medical graduates from Romania that mm -hmm. immigrated here when I was three. I'm actually born in Europe, by the way. Um, moved here when I well, was three. But uh, that, That's very interesting, Dan, because I did not realize that, but I just realized now I'm Romanian too. You're Romanian? I had no <laughs> idea. I was born in Oradia. Well, that's, that's very nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Zalo, which is like 40 minutes from Cluj-Napoca. We're not that far away, actually. No, my parents went to school, med school in in uh, Timisoara. Uh, in Timisoara. Th that's probably where I was conceived, actually. Um, they, <laughs> well, see, that's It was before they got married, and I didn't realize till I was like 15 when I did the math. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what does but that mean? <laughs> it was like my mom was pregnant during the wedding, but she didn't show it. Um, <laughs> my dad told me this when he he's an IMG, so he's a doctor. He told me there's theoretical and then there's practical. In theory, you learn the rules. And when you're actually doing something, you learn the exceptions. That's what he told me. And this can be applied to every like what you just said. The theory of a SIV, four hours. When you're actually in practice, five minutes for this guy, 10 minutes for this mm -hmm. guy, 20 mm -hmm. minutes. You don't learn that in the books, though, because they can't. How could they teach you that in a book? The chapter would be so confusing. Who's yes. going to read yes. this? Who's going to yes. read that book? So there's, exactly. that's the difference. That's the difference. Exactly. And back to your question of how did you kind of like move very quickly into being a, a, a more of a senior CRA? I think it's because one of the main skills that the CRA should develop is just adaptability, just to adapt, to be resilient, to kind of say, okay, this is what I came prepared with, but this is the reality. This is my money. This is how my monitoring visit is going to look like that. This is what I'm fine when I'm at the site. How do I fix this? How do I work with what I have? And I think that's what I tried to maybe work most on in, in my first years as a CRA. And I think that's what helped me then see, 
well, maybe I like to be a buddy, what we call it here in, in, in Europe, just be a buddy to junior series. Maybe I can help to just bring them with me in my monitoring visits and show them how you can be this adaptable CRA or this resilient CRA to just solve or, or, or come up with solutions to what you face in your, in your monitoring visits. And what's your least favorite part about being, well, what's your favorite and your least favorite? We can't escape this questions. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I will respond to that. <laughs> I think my favorite part is that when you partner with your sites, when you partner with your study coordinators, when you partner with your investigators, you become even friends. You 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 have this in like relationship where you go through your challenges together, and you can understand from their perspective how what you do and how you help them actually gets them to have like a, a, a better life, a better day-to-day -day activities. Like what you do and what you ask from your sites has a huge impact on them. It's not, you're, you're not working isolated, you're a team. And that collaboration with different roles with, I wouldn't say multidisciplinary team, but just very different roles. Somebody from sites, somebody from pharmacy, somebody on anatomopathologist and me, who has no idea about that, <laughs> but we create a team and we, we work together. And that for me is, is one of the best putting aside that we're helping bring drugs on the market that save people's lives. That is like the, the big one, right? The main yeah. purpose of it all. But this collaboration, um, I think it's it's my favorite part. My least favorite part has also been Excel trackers. Excel, <laughs> Excel trackers, tra yeah. Yes, yes. Excel trackers with quality checks, with your monitoring visits, with your... The CVs as everybody at all the sites that you have in all of the clinical trials that you have. The huge Excel trackers. Those are my worst nightmares. My nightmare as coordinator is uh, arguing with my CRA on the EDC. <laughs> Back and forth. Uh, my coordinator, I was doing this yesterday with my coordinator. One of my CRAs put, please refer to ECRF guideline of how to handle this situation. And I'm like telling her. I'm telling my coordinator I'm training. <laughs> Why doesn't she just tell you what to do? Why does she make you go to this? First, you have to find this manual. And then who knows what page it's on. We opened it. The thing, 174 pages. And I told my coordinator, yeah. Desiree, I yeah. said, look, this is the worst part of being a coordinator, right? Like the best part, in my opinion, dealing with patients. The worst part, this. You got to answer these queries and they're busy, so they don't tell you, probably because they don't know how you're supposed to answer it, but you need to figure out. So look on page whatever it was, 90 of the ECRF, and it was something very simple, but it took like 10, 15 minutes because... That's where, Dan, I wish we as CRAs understood the burden that it puts on you at the site, and we just checked that. We just tell you that. And I know, and I know it sometimes <laughs> comes from, I, I, as a CRA, I don't want to tell you what to do sometimes because it, it has like, not risks, but let's say, I, I, that means that I take responsibility over it. But yes, as a CRA, you're the support for your sites, for your study mm -hmm. coordinators, for your PI. So if you have an issue with entering the data, that's what I'm there for as a CRA. That, that's why I should know i should be trained how to properly enter the data 
Like mm -hmm. there's the, the I, I, I'm not sure if, if you've experienced this before, but depending on each study, you're using a different EDC system. Oh, and yeah. in each of these EDCs, you might you might have to log the date the date in a different format. Some of them require three letters for the month. Some of them do two or the, you know, the unknown, unknown, unknown. Sometimes it's UN, sometimes it's UNK. And yeah. all these things would just trigger so many questions from my site. And, and they would, would waste so much time from instead of seeing patients or instead of looking for patients for the clinical trials, they would battle, have these fights with the EDC when me, myself, because I've been trained on the EDC, I can quickly tell you, or I should be able to quickly tell you, this is the issue. Exactly. exactly. Two seconds. Done. Especially my coordinators. There's three of them, but they're all relatively new, and I'm in charge of training all of them. And I'm the lead CRC, so when they don't know how to do something like yesterday, I have to help. And they ha we have seven studies. And this study that the we had 50 queries because it's database lock. And it's a study they were not even doing. So they didn't even know how to navigate the EDC. And neither did I, quite honestly, because it's been months. And <laughs> the one thing I do like about these technologies is the IRT is yes. making the EDC data entry sometimes passively. So that's a little bit better um, than before. But we're subsidizing Absolutely. that with more work on our um... Oh, I know. I know. And <laughs> Probably the queries don't only come from the CRAs, probably have data management oh, yeah. queries, Which sponsor are even worse. queries. The data management ones are even worse. For us, the CRAs as well. Yeah, the, <laughs> CRA, the CRAs, at least they they think about it. Um, the data manager just doesn't think if it's not right in the certain query. way. Yeah. That's, so know. that's my least favorite part about coordinating. Um as we wrap up, we should probably do like more like part two and three later. But as we wrap up, because this is a good interview. Um, Absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> there's two ways. There's many ways you can go from CRA. Like mm -hmm. the that's the beauty, I think, of CRA. Like uh, my parents wish that I was a doctor and I was pre-med, but my grades are not good and I got mm. I got the opportunity to be a site owner at a very young age and I'm I'm cool. so I'm like extremely nice. fortunate um, yes. but I'm noticing that I'm starting to get oh maybe since COVID I think COVID had a lot to do with this COVID and my fascination with biotech stocks okay those two things got me interested in science because when I was pre-med I was only interested because my parents said it was good and I had no real interest I was like okay well I have to do something now I'm learning it because I want to because mm -hmm. I, I found the passion and honestly my my like the first 10-15 years of my research career I didn't even really care too much about the science just to be honest with you it's only yeah. been these last three years that Mm -hmm. It started, but now I'm seeing it in a different lens because I used to ignore investigator brochure. And now it's <laughs> the first thing I look at, like, oh, no, but let's see a um, mechanism of action. And now I'm on Google. I used to never do that. I used to just make sure everything's signed and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the drug. That's for the doctor. But now I'm like noticing I'm having conversation with the doctor about these things. So I found you're passionate about it. I renewed my passion because 
Yeah. You have to, it's like a relationship, you know, you got to renew your passion for it or it gets stale. And with CRA or CRC, there's a number of ways you can do that. Maybe science is not one, but it certainly is for me and many others. For some, mm -hmm. it's technology. I just interviewed another, my CRA Academy instructor who's been, she's like you, senior CRA, um, got burnt out and mm. she, she's loves tech. So she's merging that her passion now, okay. luckily for us in the industry, technology and science are combining like an AI and big data, all this stuff. So yeah. there are multiple ways to rekindle your passion and you almost see it Absolutely. like in a new lens. And I'm curious about yours. Like, um, maybe you haven't been in the industry long enough, but maybe you have. Like, which way are you going? I, I, I think I'm very clear. For some reason, I've never been more clear than lately. Which is, for me, it's I have a passion for clinical research. I have a passion, especially for CRAs, because I've, and it comes from the experience, right? Because I've, I've, I've had the burden. I feel the burden. I feel when I go to an investigator meeting from the, a vendor perspective and I see their faces when they're put in front of this protocol that is so complex that you, you're thinking, oh my God, I need to learn all of that. So I, I feel their burden. So I'm passionate about the clinical research associates role specifically, and then I'm passionate about technology in a way, not because I know how to code, not because I know how to design these, these, these apps, but because I know that's going to be what will help, again, alleviate the burden on the series. And mm. these two things together, I'd hope it just brings to many things. I hope it brings to more transparency in clinical research, reaching to more investigators, having more investigators in, in your research. Did you know that actually a very small number of doctors participate in clinical trials. Yeah. And to me, it's we need research, we, we, especially nowadays. We need new drugs and we need new treatments. We need new applications for the treatment that we already have. So hopefully with, with combining research and, and technology, we get more investigators on trials, more drugs on the market, more patients accessing um, these clinical trials. So I'd say that's my passion, combining those two things, research and technology. That's a good intersection, um, you know, tech and mentoring or people. Because um, mm. I mine is science and people. I when you were saying that, I was thinking about myself. I mean, with all the employees, I actually take pride in. I've probably managed over thirty five coordinators in my career, oh, and wow. I take That's I impressive. take pride. Yeah, it's been a lot. I take pride in their career outcomes, like the one that I have now the new one you know she's close to a year of experience but before us she was just in college and I take pride that I'm the first job employer she's had and I know I'm gonna lose her soon because she's got bachelor and I talk to her about this all the time I say hey when they job recruiters are gonna reach out to you and tell me what they are I'll tell you if it's a good idea or not and mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you um, cause I can't compete on the salary, but you're going to be gone because the, you, you're not going to last long. And, but I'm glad I'm able to help in this role. And then, so Absolutely. having that, that intersection, like yours was doing the same thing with people in tech. 
I think it's a, actually really important. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's more of a, I, I don't believe, of course, there's, there's some roles that you do a very specific task, let's say, that is, can be isolated. But I think the secret is in collaboration or the secret is not working in isolated um, um, uh, groups. It's not, the CRAs are not just going to work within, within the CRA or within their CRO or within their group, or even sometimes within their sponsor, if you're sponsor dedicated. But being able to just collaborate with other roles, industries, know more of what's out there, that's that's the secret. And I think that's the only thing that the robots cannot do um, is this part where... Or any vendor or any technology. Or any vendor. That's the magic is connecting people, having empathy, Um because like you said initially about tech, you don't know how to code. You don't know how to do apps. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Guess what? That's not important anymore. You know, chat GPT can code now. So I heard. <laughs> all those guys that have been coding, I think it's a thing of the past. What we need next is like orchestrators of all these things. Like Agreed. how do you connect people to this tech? How do you connect people to the science? Because the raw ingredients are there. You know, I can have the same ingredients in my kitchen as a Michelin star chef. Same. But if I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how to put them together. Right. This exactly. guy does. <laughs> so the meal's exactly. going to taste very different. Very exactly different. that. Exactly. And even at the vendor, you might have the best programmers, the best UX designers, the best whatever you need to to put that together. But if you don't have the connection, the knowledge from on the ground people, what it means mm -hmm. for those people who are actually going to use your um, tool, it won't make a difference. So do you think we're moving if from an economy? I mean, we're moving out of the industrial age into the information age, which we're in now. And now we're moving into the automation AI age. Mm -hmm. Do you think everybody is going to have to learn how to be um, a conductor? Or there's still going to be a place for, like, everyone basically has to be a conductor, is my theory. Because if AI gets better, I mean, how do you direct it into uh, outcomes that are at a value add, you know, to the industries? Maybe with just cross-functional teams or with, 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 with multidisciplinary teams. I am... I definitely agree with you, as in, I believe I'm a conductor myself as well, at core, in a way of I have curiosity about everything and I like to know a little bit about everything and then apply a little bit into everything. But I don't know, let's say, how to be that, how to how to code that AI, right? So there's there's always going to be something that I will not know that is needed. So I think definitely we will need to substitute that or to compensate that with multidisciplinary teams with yeah. people who will bring different focuses, different knowledge to the table. And then together mm. with that AI or with whatever technology is coming in the future, that's how it's going to just make sense for what we're designing. Yeah, it does make sense to me. And I think like the example I brought up of 
answering 50 queries yesterday. Well, my coordinators did. I only did three. <laughs> I did the three they couldn't do. <laughs> Lucky I you. did this one. But, you know, imagine automating all those queries, okay? Mm -hmm. So instead of 50, we're going to have 200. We're just going to ignore these things. Like, you know, when you get emails, this, too many emails from the same person, you just stop reading it. So I think you're going to still need a human to, and this will be maybe the role of CRA in the future, call or get on the phone or I don't know what they're going to do, Zoom, and just problem solve with you. Because yes. it's not enough to just issue tasks. It's working to solve the problem together. 100%. And sometimes it's just, sometimes the role of the CRA can even be just of support or just of a, of a, of a confirmation of, you know, a, a study coordinator might call you and say, Maria, I, I, I think I should do it this way. Can you just confirm? Can you just say that you see it in the same way? Those, those things, the, the, that, that confirmation, that support, the CRA can always or, or should always be able to provide that. Well, I think we can leave a cliffhanger for next time, but everybody go connect with Maria. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Dan, for having over me. There. And um, always nice to meet a fellow Romanian that I had no idea. Absolutely. <laughs> and you had no idea I was. Same, same. That's everybody great. go connect. For... Maria's LinkedIn is underneath or if you're listening in the show notes. Catch y'all later. Thank you, Maria. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Until next time.